0: I just found this out myself, and I I was quite impressed.
1: I'm aware of many things. Probably. The answer is probably yes.
0: In Vancouver, British Columbia, that is in Canada, for people who do not know, there is an organization called Vandu. Could you guess what this acronym stands for?
1: Vandu.
0: Vandu. V-A-N-D-U.
1: Vancouver dumpster diving undercover
0: (laughs) no it stands for the vancouver area network of drug users oh this is an actual organization these are the most organized drug users i could imagine i've known a lot of drug users in my time and i don't think any of them would be capable (laughs) of creating some sort of local organization for drug use so, what
1: is this? I did not know that drug users got organized to that degree. I, I imagine that the drugs they're probably using are keep you awake and focus drugs. If I were to theorize, So, what do they do with this support organization? Just like, yeah, you can do it one more line. or
0: <laughs> uh, all the I guess uh, like all the drug users I've known, they have like underground organizations, networks because that's how they find all the drugs, but these ones are public. They even have their own Twitter profile. Which I was astounded to find out. One of their main things that they're working on is the decriminalization of drugs. Oh. I okay. only found out about this organization because a few days ago they had an event outside of the Vancouver Police Department station.
1: Bold and organized and
0: bold. And, and yeah, they also did this with another organization called Drug User Liberation Front. So, Canada. Bravo to you. You have a lot of organized drug users. Congratulations.
1: We might be we might be doing drugs, but we're very organized
0: about it. And they're open about it. They're so open about it that they were giving away free drugs in front of the police station in Vancouver, British Columbia.
1: What sort of free drugs were they giving away?
0: Specifically, they were giving away heroin, methamphetamines, and cocaine. Uh, Three and a half grams of each to two different organizations, people they supposedly wow. spent over three thousand dollars on drugs to distribute amongst a number of groups at this event that they called D-Day. They also had live bands and free food. So it was a big block party type thing where they wanted to get together outside of the police station and give away a bunch of drugs but they were safe drugs cuz they had them all tested prior to giving them away to make sure there was no fentanyl or benzodiazepines or any other adulterants in the drugs so these were good clean drugs
1: <laughs> uh, wow okay you know what i had i had said quite cockily and confidently that i know a lot of things that i did not know I had not heard about that one. I so how did the police react, or do we not know?
0: The I think the police just let them do it. The they were actually protesting Vancouver's drug policies. Vancouver was working on passing uh, kind of a decriminalization program for personal use, and according to their recommendations, they were going to let people have uh, two grams of opioids this is like what they consider to be a personal use over three days so they did some the the city of vancouver did some research and it's like oh this is the amount of drugs somebody would need for personal use over three days just saying okay we're going to decriminalize it some we still don't want people dealing drugs but you could carry an amount that would be a decent three-day supply so they figure two grams of opioids like heroin three grams for cocaine uh, one gram or 10 rocks for a crack and 1.5 grams for meth. They were saying that these laws, this Vancouver organization of drug users are saying, no, 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 that's not enough. We need to use a lot more drugs than that. That's why they specifically gave out three and a half grams of oh. each of these drugs, thereby breaking the ordinance to be like, we're oh. going to give out a little bit more than the most uh lenient one of the the three grams for cocaine they're like no we're giving away three and a half grams what are you gonna do and it seems that from what i can find the police didn't really do anything about it so what they're saying is that like vancouver sure you're going soft on drug use which is great you're decriminalizing it but you're not decriminalizing it enough we need a bigger three-day supply of drugs
1: you're you're going soft but not soft enough yeah okay
0: that's, All right. That's what they were protesting. So I was surprised that they got together and they gave out a bunch of drugs just a couple of days ago.
1: A while back on the podcast, we actually featured that professor that had written a book, uh, that uh, Ivy League professor who had written a book touting the, the joys and benefits of using heroin. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know a lot of PhD earners that are college professors and also are big advocates on heroin use, but this guy was. So as these organized people show, you can do drugs, be very passionate about doing drugs and also run a Twitter account and have a support group and get together and do protests. I do like the fact that they were so organized that they knew ahead of time to test for the purity. It's very considerate of them.
0: Oh, it is. One of the reasons why Vancouver started this program was to decrease the health issue that a lot of cities are facing because a lot of the drugs are adulterated, especially with fentanyl. And there's a huge overdose problem going on. So more and more decriminalization, more and more legalization. And it's been shown over and over again, give people a place where they can safely shoot up have them able to access free drug testing. People are still going to use drugs. And if they're criminalized and they have to go find them in the streets, then you have no idea what is actually in them. It's not like pharmaceuticals.
1: Prohibition in America showed us that people are, if something's forbidden, you're more likely to want to do it. And so many more people got ill because there wasn't quality control. People were just brewing things in their bathtubs. Bathtub and, gin. And p- people ended up blind. They ended up paralyzed. They ended up dead. As like, oh, well, if we don't make it illegal and if we if we decriminalize it, actually less people will die and there's tax revenue.
0: That's true. Right. You had a little callback to – Us talking about the professor. I have another little callback from last week. I talked a lot about Chinese (laughs) eunuchs.
1: Yes, you did. The Preciouses.
0: The Precious, the Three Preciouses. I didn't make it clear enough for those who listened last week who were... Patreon supporters, thank you very much for tuning in and listening. This is the free one. This is the every other episode that's going out to the general public. Hey, how you doing? This is T. C. Rollins, and
1: this is Rain de Grey. Hi, general Public.
0: Thanks for joining us this week. In case you missed it last week because you're not on our Patreon. I talked a lot about the Chinese eunuchs. I guess I didn't make it clear enough that the Chinese eunuchs lost their balls and their penises uh, the The Romans they kept the dick took the balls. And a lot of other European people that had eunuchs, they allowed them to keep their dick. But the Chinese, they took everything.
1: And peeing was an issue. Yes. And they, they, it was a very thorough raising of the ground, as it were.
0: Yes. This led me, after we looked at the Chinese eunuchs, to go and explore eunuchs more. And... <sighs> Yes, I know, I know. And and of course, as with everything, there are large internet forums for eunuchs or fans of Unix or people that just want to write eunuch uh, fan fiction. Uh,
1: yes. Being a eunuch is actually a really – it's not an uncommon fantasy. A lot of people loop on the idea of that, of being forced to – I've had people email me and beg me to castrate them because their deepest desire is to be a eunuch.
0: Yeah. I was astounded to find out that there is such an underground community of people dedicated to it. There's numerous websites like eunuch.org where people can share their interest in becoming a eunuch. Where it does cross the line and what I was going to talk about this week is a man in Australia just got a suspended sentence because he was on some of these websites for eunuchs and he advertised his ability to castrate people he had a couple people take him up on his offer for castration and this isn't unique because last year there was a man in florida that was also arrested for castrating another man so there are people out there that are so desperate to become castrated that they will contact strangers online and say hey will you cut my balls off
1: We actually covered that in a podcast a while back. That really famous German case of this man who badly, badly wanted to have his dick cut off, Mm. and he actually well, he wanted the
0: guy to eat it, right?
1: Well, he wanted it, but it—he wanted it. He wanted it to be eaten, but he really wanted it cut off. And I actually saw some interviews with uh, multiple uh, lovers, ex-lovers, that said they had to stop hooking up with him because, in the middle of a blowjob, he would beg them just bite it, just like rip it off, like just tear it,
0: chewing it like jerky.
1: It was just killing my boner. I didn't want to hook up with this guy anymore because all he could talk about was me taking his dick off. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was an eating component to it as well, but uh, castration and 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 removing your testicles or your testicle, the the meat and potato, like it's not uncommon.
0: Mm-hmm. So this guy was arrested. There were two different incidences, one in 2019 and one in 2020, which he was charged for. The first one in 2019, he met a man at a hotel who was 66. He met him at a hotel. He removed his penis and one testicle, left one testicle whole, And the guy then went and, I guess, got sewn up afterwards. About a year later, he met up with the guy again and removed the other testicle. So I guess he just decided, hey, I'm ready for the whole thing.
1: So he was like, I'm not going to make you commit to the entire thing. Like, we'll just do we'll just do like 75%, and if you really feel down for it, we can go all in and do 100%. Yes. So it was thoughtful of him to leave one testicle behind while you make up your mind whether or not you want to go forward.
0: Yes. It happened again in 2020. He met up with another man in a hostel. They met up in a backpacking hostel where he <sighs> then proceeded to remove this man's testicles. The procedure is actually called an orchiectomy which is the surgical removal of one or both testicles. If anybody wants to know the medical definition for castration, orchiectomy.
1: We are here with the knowledge for your ear holes. You're welcome.
0: Yes, orchiectomy. So he met up with this man at the hostel. He removed his testicles and flushed them down the toilet to ensure that he would never be able to be made whole again unfortunately there was some complications so he had to call paramedics to come and help the man because of severe bleeding it was then that the police were notified they arrested the man searched his house and they found the penis and one testicle in his freezer from the previous man so he was keeping his trophy
1: I'm surprised that the second time around, he didn't try and also keep the trophy and he actually flushed it down.
0: I don't know if this was on the man's request because he wanted oh, to make sure. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. he, he, he felt like ever since he was a kid, he said he didn't like having a penis.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: It went to trial. The two people actually testified on his behalf to the older one saying that he felt great now. He really thanked this man for doing it. And the trial hinged on the consensual aspect of it because they sought oh. him out. He advertised that they sought him out. It was completely consensual. He's like, you want me to remove your junk? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, okay, I'll remove your junk. So it was consensual. So they're like, what do we charge him with? Because it wasn't like assault and mangling somebody. What the judge finally said is like, you aren't – Trained to do this. You aren't a licensed doctor. You're not medically trained to do this. You're
1: practicing medicine without a license. Yeah.
0: But these guys had to seek out somebody like him because they couldn't get their balls removed through normal legal routes. Because most people, if you go to your neighborhood family doctor, it'd be like, yo, doc, you know. Can
1: you remove these dangly things? They're, I yeah. don't like them.
0: Most doctors are going to be like, whoa. No. no. Thank you. So they had to seek this guy out on these underground online forums to do this. Eventually, he got a suspended sentence from the judge. He'd been in custody for about a year since he'd been arrested last year for meeting this guy in a hostel to remove his balls.
1: Imagine you're trying to backpack. It's been a long day. You're in a new country and someone's getting their testicles removed down the hallway like, <laughs> and starts bleeding everywhere and like the nuts get flushed down. It's Then the paramedics show up and you're like, I just wanted a restful night's sleep. Yeah. Uh but no sleep for you because of the missing testicles. These
0: guys were just looking to be emasculated is all.
1: <laughs> it's funny that you mention emasculating because I have something, it's a little different, but it does also refer to emasculation. But in this case, not a desire for it, but a fear of it. Okay. As it turns out, There is more than zero men on this planet who believe that it is gross and gay and emasculating to wipe your ass.
0: Oh, yeah, no, that's completely gay. (sighs) I believe it. (laughs) Yeah, oh, so that's why I pay other people to do it.
1: Oh, okay, all right, so that you don't, you know,
0: accidentally
1: stimulate, you know, the devil's doorknob.
0: I don't even touch and- my own dick because that would be gay. It would uh, be, you know, akin to, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm fucking up with you. you know that.
1: <laughs> I touch my own
0: dick all the time.
1: Well. um
0: And I wipe my butt.
1: I'm so glad to hear that. It turns out that not all men think the way that you do. And toxic masculinity manifests in a lot of different ways. And as an educator who teaches anal play classes, I have men write into me all of the time or show up in classes and they want to learn how to do it, but they're very, very clear. Like I can't receive any pleasure. I can't have anything near my butt. If that were to happen, I would then be gay.
0: So my, wait, 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 let me get this straight. So they want to engage in anal play, but no, non- no, no, no. With women, anal play. No, no,
1: no. You're not tracking me. With they come to a class to learn how to do anal play, but they would be doing it to a partner, a female-bodied partner. Uh, okay. They themselves could never receive it because receiving it would make them the gay. So they can show up to an anal play class and they want to get better at it. But it's like I would be drilling her in a very masculine way. Nothing anywhere near my butt. Yes. Sorry if you weren't quite tracking with that.
0: Okay. So they themselves want to inflict the anal play on someone else. One else. Yes. But
1: nothing near them. And I also have people, men, men that are terrified that they have the desire to do it because they think that that makes them gay. Wanting to get any sort of pleasure around your butthole would make you automatically the gay. And my counter always is, what is the gender of the person doing it to you? Are they a woman? If they are a woman and they are touching your butt, it's not gay. And There's nothing wrong if it's gay, but if it's a woman touching your butt, it's not gay.
0: Or if it's yourself touching your butt? It's but, then, also, but then I know that it's a man touching your own. Right. Your well, butt, and,
1: th- and that's, that's where, strap yourselves in, folks, because it's going to get a little nasty. Evidently, there are more than zero men on this planet who refuse to wipe their asses because they believe doing so is unmanly and is gay. And they have various reasons for doing it. I have read horror stories online at this point. Where women are saying that they could smell shit, where they have had sex with a man and he has stood up and they can see a, the, a brown streak that he's left behind on the bed sheets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I should have probably done a trigger warning <laughs> with this topic. Sorry, folks. Uh, women talking about uh, playing with a man and bringing away, like stroking a man, like nowhere near the butthole area, and ending up with like poop on their fingers, and toxic masculinity could manifest in men feeling so uncomfortable and scared of anything going near their butthole that they won't actually wipe
0: you know what Hmm. i feel really bad for straight women because they have to have sex with straight men and a lot of the straight men i know are disgusting and they have terrible terrible hygiene
1: They men are do not seem to focus as much, hashtag not all men, but I I do notice that men are can be a lot more lax with their hygiene than women. Uh, I don't know if it's societal pressure, women are supposed to look good, and a guy's like, I'm manly. Uh, I remember reading in these forums, these this man was talking about how he's so manly, he doesn't shower and he doesn't wear deodorant, and any good partner that he would have would be so dazzled by his alpha manliness that she would, he would be able to shove her face into his armpit and she should just smell like his ripe, potent manliness. And he didn't believe in soap. He's like, you know, you take a shower, water on you, but like, I'm not going to- Scrub myself with a porcupine. No. (laughs) And sandpaper yeah and my pheromones will waft off me in a cloud. Yeah. Men can get kind of, I used to do in-home nursing care and- I would take care of elderly men all of the time, and they did not have the hygiene that elderly women did. Like, elderly men are leaving skid marks all over the place. So I I have heard also um, people claim this couldn't possibly be true. Like, this is just one of those, like, internet things that's going around. Because you would
0: think that everybody would be wiping their ass. But they're not.
1: Even men that are not worried about being gay, when I did elder care, could not wipe. (sighs) I would be doing so much laundry. There would be so much skid marks. It it never happened with any of the women I was taking care of, but the men were just skid marking all over the place.
0: Maybe they just were never taught how to properly wipe their butt.
1: I don't know if they're busy thinking about other things like war or their penis or something, and they just never get around to or making money or status or power, uh, but they just never get around to cleaning the back door. The cleaner your back door is, not only in terms of hygiene and you feeling fresher, but more people are going to want to interact with you. That's a PSA for you. It is not gay to clean your butt. And we, everyone around you, encourages you to clean your butt by yeah. all means. And there's nothing wrong with being gay. So relax, simmer down a little bit, and use some toilet paper. Get fancy. Use a douche. Use some wet wipes. What is it? Fresh.
0: We have Freshers- we have bidets now on our toilets. I was, oh. I was told to install bidets.
1: That's super fancy. I'm sure your butthole <laughs> thanks you.
0: It's very clean. It's sparkling. That's nice. So I Kudos. think to, to to summarize your PSA: wipe your fucking ass.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that is my PSA.
0: Correct. Okay. I have something else. Uh, you were talking about the toxic masculinity, not wanting to. Wipe your butt. Uh, I have something else about toxic masculinity, and that is sex crimes. I would say a vast majority of sex crimes are caused by toxic masculinity or just men in general. Correct. You can challenge me on this statistic if you'd like, but I will stand by it that not all, but a vast majority of sex crimes are committed by the males. This is correct. There is a new research paper out from the Economic Journal, which is published by the Oxford University Press. And it was looking at whether there is any connection between adult services like strip clubs, escort services, adult bookstores or adult movie theaters, and crime. 'Cause a lot of people were like, we don't we can't have places like that because of course it's just gonna be a haven for criminals and there's gonna be such an uptick in crime and the neighborhood's just gonna to go to shit. They studied New York City from January first, two thousand four through June twenty ninth, twenty twelve, um, because it is broken up by precinct, and they can look from precinct to precinct at the crime statistics in the different precincts over that period of time. Also, over that period of time, the number of adult entertainment establishments rose from 76 to 280 during- So a
1: noticeable increase. A
0: noticeable increase. What is really interesting is they found that the presence of an adult entertainment establishment in a given precinct led to a 13% reduction in sex crimes in just one week after it opened.
1: That's very effective. It's draining the venom.
0: It's draining the venom. They also wanted to see if this was an overall reduction in all crime, but it wasn't. It was just... Particularly sex for crime. sex crimes. Yeah. They looked at the establishments. It didn't affect any other types of crime. So they couldn't attribute it to more policing in the areas. Also, the sex crimes in adjacent precincts that didn't have adult establishments didn't increase. So it didn't move from one precinct to another. They just saw a uh, marked oh. decline De- decline in that where area.
1: That was a safe revenue in an outlet. Yes. Huh. So strip clubs and brothels are
0: good for you? Or they're good for preventing sex crimes. I think we've discussed this probably before. I think that most of the people listening would probably agree that, you know, open up. uh, I would say to keep America safer, we should open up a strip club on every corner. And we are just guaranteed to see a huge marked reduction in sex crimes.
1: We should open them up right next to every single Starbucks. Then we'll all be awake and there won't be any sex crimes.
0: Well, anybody that's seen Idiocracy would know that Starbucks in the future is a strip club. (laughs) So I like that connection. So yeah, yeah. what you're saying is turn every Starbucks into a strip club, into a place where people can get together and do sexy dancing. And we will virtually eliminate crime in this country. At least, well, at least sex crimes in this country.
1: Yes. Sure. That's what I'm saying. Let's make it happen. So it is decreed. Yeah, I like it. Speaking of dancing. Yes. Speaking of sexy dancing.
0: Okay. Dirty dancing, if you will.
1: Right, right, right. When you think of sexy dancing, do you think of
0: tarantulas? I don't. I think of nobody ever puts baby in the corner.
1: (laughs) Well, obviously, then you're not Italian. I'm not. As it turns out, there was a town in Italy that had essentially tarantulas, uh, a wolf spider. And it was a huge issue where people were getting bitten between the 15th and the 17th centuries. I hate it it when I
0: get bitten between the 15th and 17th century. (laughs)
1: between the 15th and the 17th centuries in italy there was this huge epidemic going around where supposedly people basically lower income attractive younger women were getting bitten by these wolf spiders and the poison would be in their blood and there'd be no cure in the 15th century what are you going to do when you've been bitten by a venomous spider and it turns out the cure was this frenzied dancing called the tarantella where a, a woman afflicted with this poisonous spider bite would how do you get the poison out of her veins it's not like you had like anti-venom injections you could give someone you to suck Although, out the poison well uh, probably some sucking and some injections might have helped her but she couldn't access that so a bunch of musicians would get together and they would start pl- playing these different really fast high tempo beats until they found whatever was the right rhythm for this particular woman that was infected and plagued with this poison in her veins. And then she would start to dance to the beat of whatever the beat was that was right for her. And in dancing herself in this frenzied abandon until eventually she sunk to the ground, unable to move, just like a twitchy, sweaty pile of flesh. And that was considered how she sweated out the poison after being bitten by the spider. Uh, The dance has since morphed, and it is now a very common dance done at weddings. And it is these days considered uh, by most to be unlucky to do by yourself and you need to do it with a partner and it's uh, often a wedding dance which is an, an interesting journey for it to start with you've been bitten by a poisonous spider and unless we you do this frenzied solo uh, very sexual she's like, got a
0: fever and there's only she's got one it. <laughs> one cure you yeah. gotta dance it out
1: yes yes and and now you're not supposed to dance it by yourself And I am proposing the theory that it was much like before vibrators were invented and women were having hysterics and the doctor would have to give them a pelvic (laughs) massage. A medical orgasm. A a medically induced orgasm because women were getting twitchy. Well, you know, in Italy in 1613, you know, we didn't have probably less access to medically induced pelvic massages, AKA orgasms. So what would you do with all that frenzied tension? Oh, I've been bitten by a poisonous spider. I must sweat out the fever. Quick, gather me some musicians and start playing at me and I will dance. It's a good thing there's just
0: random roving bands of musicians just waiting, right? just walking around looking for some poor young maiden who's been bitten by a spider so they could play the poison out of her.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. She did. She got the poison drained out by one means or another. Now, that's just my own interpretation, but I do think, much like the hysteria that led to the Salem witch trials, when people are very repressed, it, when society puts that oppression on them, they have to look for outlets. You have the Quakers and the Shakers doing this convulsing and speaking in tongues. You have people handling snakes. You have women giving these pelvic massages, and you've got the tarantula dance where you have to sweat out the poison and frenzied, probably highly sexual abandon. And it's all, what are you going to do with that pent-up energy? It's got to go somewhere. Mm. So the spider dance
0: is where it went. When the devil gets in you, you got to gyrate him out.
1: Yes, yes. Lots of hip gyrations to get out the devil. The devil's very persistent. It'll probably come back and you need to do more hip gyrations to get the devil out.
0: Mm -hmm. Anyhow.
1: So, if you had not heard of the of the highly sexual and frenzied "Get the Poison Out" tarantula dance, now you have heard.
0: I have. Speaking of people Mm -hmm. trying to prevent people from having sex, we did talk about the Olympics a while back because they were giving out the hundred sixty thousand condoms to all the the Olympic athletes. they are the condoms. They're not going to give the them condoms. to people until they leave. So oh. that's, that's the new thing. is We're not going to give them any condoms while they're in Tokyo because they don't want people to be socializing. They want to keep the COVID levels down. So they will be giving them all the condoms, but I guess to take home with them. <laughs> so no condoms for you while you're in Japan.
1: Ah. Uh. Yeah, good luck. I mean, the thing is that there are starting to be more outbreaks. I can understand them wanting to be concerned. So I can understand the vigilance, but all you're doing is people are going to fuck anyway, and they're going to do it unprotected.
0: Yeah. There was some overreaction online recently about the beds that they were going to be having in the Tokyo Olympic Games. I mean, they're not having beds in the games. (sighs) The Beds that people are going to be sleeping in at the, the games. The beds
1: are really in shape. They've been practicing, for the, for they've the been bed training events. for years. Yeah, yeah. It's bed events are legendary. That's kind of the highlight of the Olympics. They are making these beds out of cardboard. And what went around was it fascinating. I mean, I understand because it's very buzzworthy, the concept that they have made these cardboard beds to only hold the weight of a single person. And if you add a second person to this cardboard bed, it collapses. So they supposedly created anti-banging beds, which I thought was utterly fascinating. And I tried to research that a little. And you know, when you hear something that's too good to be
0: true. And then it turns out to be too good to be true. true.
1: (laughs) I actually watched a video clip of an Irish gymnast who is debunking the one-person bed cardboard theory, and he does a full lunge and jumps on the bed, and with great force and vigor in a very athletic manner, and the bed does not break.
0: Well, yeah, that's what I read is that they can hold up to two hundred kilograms, which is roughly about four hundred and forty pounds. So unless you're some sort of East German weightlifting champion. East German German (laughs) women's weightlifting champion.
1: Two East German weightlifting champions trying to bang in one bed with great vigor could maybe break the bed.
0: Yes. But these Olympic athletes are in the prime of fitness and they probably only weigh about 100, 100, 150, 160 pounds each.
1: Lean, athletic. So they're not going to be breaking any beds. I broke a bed once. It happens. The bed wasn't even cardboard. It collapsed right from under us it does beds do break
0: yeah if you, you use them in the right way <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think there's probably enough to have a threesome in one of those beds i mean they're small you look at them they're just tiny little single beds or work with me you here on this push
1: some beds together you right. can push them
0: together or just take the mattress off the bed and do it on the floor
1: oh right, right, right. that's
0: that's yeah there's there's no anti-sex bed unless you're bundling people up. I don't think the Olympics are going to start bundling people up at the end of the night. No matter what the Olympics do, people are still going to fuck there, no matter how much they want to keep them apart. When people want to fuck, they will find a way to fuck.
1: As the many, many humans on this planet can attest to, it's something that we're very passionate about as a species.
0: Yes. As, as we can tell, people have been fucking for millennia. And I don't think that for they're going to be slowing down. History, time for here. all
1: of human history, we've been banging.
0: Yes. You and I and everyone else listening right now are here because two people decided to fuck. Correct. Congratulations. You made it. <laughs> We're going to end it there That's the, with that thought in your mind of your parents having sex. You're welcome. <laughs> we hope you have a great week. <laughs> and we will talk at you next week you have a sexy jaunty salute for these people i believe
1: it's jaunty it's sexy it's erect it's engorged even it's ready okay here it is i'm firing it off at you do enjoy catch you all next week
0: bye bye